1: Junior.
2: He did. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Road of Viz Overtime on Road of Viz Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. And as always, I'm joined by Sean Siegel as we get ready for the third and final show of the week. We are just one day away from week three commencing. Well, I guess we're past Thursday Night Football, but we're one day away. I always just think of Sunday as the official week because of all the action, but I'm um, looking forward. To it Last week, as I mentioned, was one of the more enjoyable weeks in recent memory um, in terms of some of the uh, games that we got to watch. But I did mention this on each show this week. We're looking for your player suggestions for the intro theme to roto Overtime. We're going to update it, send us which players you think represent the Overtime podcast, uh, which you think should be in there. The other thing is we're approaching episode 300. This is episode 292. We are looking for some questions to be sent in for myself and Sean to have a little bit of a fun bonus episode after episode 300 uh, to go through some non-NFL style topics. So send them in uh, to us. You can send them to me on Twitter or email them in at Overtime at gmail.com. But Sean, we're just very, very close to that week three. We have some 2-0 and o teams. We have some 1-1 one and one teams. And I know personally, I have a couple of 0-2 teams there that are really wanting that W in week three. but. Uh, looking forward to the action here again, and if we get anything like we did in NFL Week Two, we should be in for a, another treat.
3: We should, and it's been a lot of fun through a couple of weeks. Of Blair and I trying to defend our title from last season and that top uh, 35 finish last year. We did it with an extreme zero RB build. This season, I mean, we're almost cheating, right? We got the number one pick, so we have Christian McCaffrey. And all you really have to do is not make huge mistakes. Coming out of that, we have Jefferson and Lamb and Higgins and Debo Samuel on that team, along with Rob Gronkowski. So again, when you have Christian McCaffrey, it it is like cheating, being in first place after two weeks, not really that much of an accomplishment because that's where you should be. But we have teams sort of all over the place. We have one of our RV teams is 2-0, one of them 0-2. I love where the teams are at this point. We've got some funny notes from the listeners about the bench points comment that we made early in the week. Colin, we also got some great stuff up on the site. been referring to some of the work from Corbin Young in his look at the advanced running back stats. Uh, Let's start with that. We went through some of the backfields and the breakdowns in the second show of the week. Uh, Let's talk about some of the stars today. We have Nick Chubb putting up big points through two weeks. Now, there were some red flags, actually, in terms of the EP profile in week two. But at this point in the season, he has 6.8 yards per attempt. And he's doing that in basically every way that you can. Right? He's averaging 2.3 yards before contact. One of the things that's kind of funny, you go in and you look at all these guys with the elite yards after contact numbers, and you're like, well, that's that's good, right? I mean, they've got to be leading the way. And then you see that they're averaging like 0.1 yards before contact. You know, like, you guys are gonna have to block better, you're going to have to scheme better, you can't be running your star into the line to where he's being hit behind the line of scrimmage over and over and over. Not happening with Chubb. 2.3 before contact, 4.5 after contact. His evasion percentage at 26.9 leads the NFL. I don't think that's a surprise there. We know that people are drafting Nick Chubb in round two, despite the competition from Kareem Hunt, despite the lack of receiving touches because he is, I mean, he's got some competition. There, there are four or five guys in the NFL who are legitimately so good at running back that they change the game. The number one guy who jumps out to me is Dalvin Cook, watching the Arizona Cardinals try and, a deal with him last week it was night and day between cook and derrick henry who i mean it's, it's hard to say anything bad about derrick henry after the week that he just had <laughs> because you know he put up another one of his almost impossible types of performances he, he really at halftime still he hasn't done anything and then the seahawks i mean they forget how to tackle they forget how to take good lines they forget that all they really need to do <laughs> is not let him rush for 60 yards every play and they're going to win that game going away they didn't do that the titans saved their season seattle falls a little bit here it's going to be tough if you're in the nfc west and you lose to anybody outside the division well you need to win those games and then you're gonna have to win your your division games head to head because the rams cardinals 49ers and seahawks uh, that is brutal there so a big missed opportunity for the seahawks but wrapping back around dalvin cook at the line of scrimmage, the moves he was making on those Cardinals defenders last week, absolutely insane. We hope that he's not hurt. He did leave the game a couple times with some mild ankle injuries. There was a little bit of frustration with a J.J. Watt tackle. They think that he's going to be okay. But Nick Chubb, a couple of those guys, maybe an Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones looked shot out of a cannon on Monday night. I don't know if I've ever seen anybody accelerate quite that well it looked very Jamal charles right? In terms of someone who just is getting to the holes and getting to the edges at a speed that nobody else can do. So I'm wrapping this all around, kind of rambling here for a bit, but the guy that I wanted to get to who was the headliner for Corbin's piece, Javante Williams, number two in the NFL after two weeks in terms of evasion percentage, 22%. Now, we know that some of this stuff can be a little bit misleading because James Conner is actually number three. And in terms of writing about him in the article, I mentioned that the the contrast between Conner and Edmonds has not worked out that well. Conner's actually done some good things, but he had a couple of carries last week where they used him on a third and one. He gets stuffed. They use him on the one carry the running backs had, I believe, inside the 10. He loses yardage. Those things are going to stick in the coach's minds Javante Williams he looks amazing right and we haven't actually seen him do that much yet in terms of creating highlight plays so if you're in a dynasty league you still might have a chance to go out and get him actually I had kind of a, a humorous trade offer come in this morning where obviously we've got some listeners to the show and and they know who we like it was offered Rondell Moore for Javante Williams and a third round pick And you're looking back you're thinking, well, I mean, it's Rondell Moore. What should we pay? But Javante Williams, as a young running back, and that was one of the big differences between him and Harris and Etienne, obviously now with Etienne out, uh, it makes the gap even much larger in terms of what they'll likely contribute. But Williams, a foundation piece for dynasty teams, someone who is likely to blow up in the second half of the season this year, much like Nick Chubb did as a rookie, much like Miles Sanders did as a rookie. Uh, the tricky thing for him is that melvin gordon has still looked good but i think the plus side of it is that this denver broncos offense is looking better than expected they looked pretty good last week even with jerry judy out if they can be decent we know that there are going to be some high value running back touches in the offing
2: yeah i would agree with that the one question that i kind of keep coming back to with the broncos is in the offseason we were targeting a lot of the skill position players we talked about who we thought You know, would be value, how they would be value. And, you know, I said I thought Teddy Bridgewater was a better quarterback than people were giving him credit for. The thing I'm thinking about with this offense, and it obviously factors into Jamal Williams as well, is looking at who they've played through two weeks. They played the Giants in week one, who we haven't really expected a huge amount in their offense. And then we played the, or they played the Jaguars in, in week two, who haven't got things going at all so far this season. So, my big question around the overall. Broncos offense and how they do moving forward is going to be how do they now? luckily for them they, they face the Jets in week three but then they do face off with the Ravens in week four and I think we'll probably get a good idea of what the the true Broncos team is as we get into that kind of week four point of the season but Javante Williams has been exactly like we had hoped in the off season; has looked fantastic and interestingly enough you mentioned Melvin Gordon he has looked very very good as well but When we were talking about Williams in the offseason, when we were talking about Garden in the offseason, we kind of, this was what we thought may happen. And it kind of is playing out exactly like we thought it would happen. And the goal would be that Javante Williams continues to get more and more of a stranglehold on this offense as we head towards. Week six, week seven, week eight. But I think he's looked absolutely fantastic. Look, as obviously has looked very evasive, but that would be true to having a, a good <laughs> evasion percentage. But um, I think he's he's looked excellent so far. Sean, anyone else that we have here in the the list that you wanted to, to highlight um, for I guess positive or negative reasons? Everyone on this list is going to be pretty positive because they're on the the higher end of the list, of course.
3: Yeah, Damian Harris coming through, uh, looking pretty good here 2.4 yards after contact and
2: question for you on Damian Harris's uh, long touchdown good play by the running back or appalling defensive play
3: uh, it, it probably has to be a little bit of both on there we talk about Harris he's going to have those sort of low value touches for the most part it was interesting even with the three carries inside the 10 late his overall ep and he's stuffed on those his overall ep pretty low the 26 yard touchdown run one where the ep for that wouldn't have been very high but then he capitalizes there so that kind of balances out the fantasy points over expectation blow or hit he would have taken from not being able to get in on those other ones it's going to be tricky for him to score in a way that makes him a a clear starter but both he and James White looked like they're going to help your offense. We had White lead the team in targets and receptions last week, get in on that rushing touchdown. One of the things that we have from White, even though he doesn't get a lot of rushing touches, he has scored some rushing touchdowns over the last several years as they kind of use him as not exactly a change of pace when you're down there by the goal line, but you're trying to play into the tendencies of the personnel and they flip it on you in a couple of those situations in order to keep you from being able to key on what they want to do. And so they've used uh, surprise to get him some rushing touchdowns. we like what, the Patriots are doing. Mac Jones has looked absolutely fantastic. A couple of their names on this list that won't be a surprise. You've got guys like Miles Sanders, Austin Eckler, Tyson Williams for the Baltimore Ravens. Also on the list here, it's kind of funny because he's averaging six and a half yards per attempt. Most of those are coming before contact, and I think a lot of people tend to dismiss it when it becomes comes before contact, but part of the element of getting the yards before contact is that he's making guys miss, right? He's got this 18% evasion percentage. If you're making guys miss to get those yards before contact, if you have the athleticism to make the big plays, that matters. And so there are gonna be some things that he does that I think people will be frustrated with. We had the question of, well, you know, is the missed block going to factor in to players like uh, Devontae Freeman getting out there, Latavius Murray getting out there. Is, Is he going to lose all of these high value touches? And, I mean, they're not going to use him on every play. We saw Freeman get in the game. We saw him make a decent run there. Uh, Latavius Murray scoring a touchdown. So it's not going to be all him. But the Ravens haven't necessarily penalized him the same way that the Buccaneers continue to do with Rojo every time that he makes a mistake. you got kind of different coaching philosophies. One, you know, encouragement. The other, you know, let's see if we can humiliate our players <laughs> into like, being enthusiastic about being a part of the team. I mean, you watch Bruce Arians. You see Tom Brady you know, throw the ball at, at Jones feet disgustedly. And you get a little bit of a sense of the type of reinforcement that they are trying to give Tyson Williams. I'm excited about him with Baltimore. Again, it's going to be a tricky week to week decision in terms of the total number of touches, but there's a lot to be excited about with him and, so I, I think we have to have some enthusiasm. And we have to, again, remember the fact that if you're making guys miss, those yards before contact also do matter. Column we've also got some great advanced stats. We've got the Advanced Stat Explorer on the site. If you haven't subscribed, haven't checked that out, then uh, you know, I think you'll enjoy it. If you do, we'll just put it that way. Looking at some of these quarterbacks in the early going, we've got some surprising numbers in terms of air yard conversion. And so the big storyline after two weeks for the young QBs has been Trevor Lawrence. He's got 88 dropbacks, 84 attempts. Uh, He has completed 42 of those. That in and of itself, you know, maybe not the end of the world, but he's got 824 intended air yards, only 268 completed air yards. His air yard conversion percentage is the worst in the NFL. Now, part of that is just this willingness to attack down the field but at the same time, you know, we've we've got to develop an offense that sort of works. And so structurally, there have been some concerns here for me. You're seeing him attack very deep with difficult to complete passes to the sideline. Again, we talked about the Raiders in their first show of the week and how their emphasis on moving away from these boundary throws has really helped Derek Carr emerge as, I mean, as an average QB, which is is something that is very meaningful. If you get yourself an average QB in the NFL, then you've moved into these teams that can now compete. Lawrence trying to throw a lot of difficult passes. You watch him throw, and the arm talent just leaps out of the screen. I mean, that ball comes out of his hand, and you're like, well, he can he can get the ball anywhere that he wants, right? But the team has to get the ball to the places that make sense. They've got to call plays that will allow drives to move. They've kind of balanced these. Very difficult to complete passes to Marvin Jones and DJ Chark with passes underneath to LaVisca Chenault that should be possible to complete. But those haven't been that well thrown either. The ones that have been, Chenault has managed to drop or make nothing out of. Where are you on the Jaguars right now? Knowing that Chenault is somebody that we believed in, I I don't think anybody's going to start Chenault this next week if they had any other choice. But, you know, we're still looking at a team in terms of the QB, in terms of the coaching staff, and in terms of even someone like Chennault, where this is a work in progress, right? We can't look at week two and say, like, these guys are done for good.
2: I hope it's a work in progress, because if it's not, uh, we're in a really bad situation, because it hasn't looked good through two weeks. Uh, It hasn't looked good at all. In terms of, you mentioned the play call, and I think there's a lot that can be improved there. That was part of our concern heading into it. Uh, I know... The topic come up between myself and yourself and i come up on a few different shows as well of like what if the jaguars are just really really bad and so far they have been very very bad i think there is room for it to improve but the, the play call and the balance just hasn't been there between the deep shots and then the like even on the, those shorter plays like they're at the line of scrimmage it's not a case if we're going to complete for eight yards and then we have a short second down so it just hasn't worked out at all the concerns that are there are obviously real but i think as the season goes on this will improve it, it was always going to be a little bit of a, a growing pain like lawrence is an incredible talent but you're coming into the nfl it's going to take a little bit of time it's very rare that somebody comes in week one week two and just has everything perfect when they're when they're coming in put on top of that the new coaching staff and then um you mentioned something like the younger players that are involved as well including uh viscous also I think it's going to be hard to play any of these guys with much confidence over the next three to four weeks. But I think we'll see the team start to become better offensively. But the Jaguars are looking like the Jaguars <laughs> that are probably going to be in the the bottom bottom end of the the NFL come the end of the season. The other thing, Sean, that I guess it's not that surprising is the volume of young quarterbacks in general that has made the list in terms of you know low air yards conversion rates. We have two and there who. Didn't play a huge amount, obviously, in week two. Justin Fields, in a similar situation, came off the bench. And then we have Hurts in there, um, and it's kind of, I guess, really his first full season, but his second season in the NFL, and Zach Wilson as well, who had a really tough week this past week. Some of the, the veterans, I guess, that are in there are Josh Allen, who week one was really tough for him, and then Aaron Rodgers week one was really tough. But the Packers, one of the things I did notice from the Monday night game was... Those points obviously left on the field, there was a number of deep shots that were you know, one to two yards, either overthrown or just didn't work out. I think as the season goes on, those things are going to start to match up a bit as well. So I think the veterans here are probably going to bounce back. The one that I am most concerned about is is Ben Roethlisberger. But I don't know if you want to touch on, on Roethlisberger and how he's looked through two weeks, but I think this is going to be a theme throughout the season where it might not look all that great for Ben
3: it might not and he's taken a lot of criticism for the quality of his passes we look at chase claypool he's got a a top 10 number in terms of air yards in the early season and you're thinking well if that's the case how has he been so far below deontay johnson and juju smith schuster in terms of value and it's simply that they're not completing those passes that's on both players Uh, several of those deep passes he's had a chance to make a play on and and really hasn't done it he's kind of gone up he's jumped he's put his hands up there but you know when you're having these deep throws those are going to be difficult to complete regardless and players like you know a calvin johnson a devontae adams stefan Diggs, someone with a very high contested catch rate you have deandre hopkins those guys are going to make the plays and if claypool wants to be the guy in that role he wants to emerge as A star wants to separate himself a little bit from the rest of this committee. And you know that these guys like each other. They want the offense to succeed. Their number one thing is probably winning games. You have Juju going back to the Steelers as opposed to taking a job somewhere else, maybe in a more favorable situation like with the Chiefs. You look at uh, this game on Sunday night and think, well, you know, if, if Juju is there, then you're not having to worry about people like Byron Pringle and Demarcus Robinson getting them the ball. The opportunity in that offense was definitely there. He goes back to Pittsburgh. I mean, these guys are all rowing in the same direction, I think. And yet, in the back of their minds, you know that each of them wants to be the guy. Each of them wants to be the star, the person who emerges as a pro or that type of player. Claypool, in his role, he's going to have to go up and make some of those plays. So we'd like to see him do that. I think that he will. He's got the size. We talk about him as being one of these players in the sort of history down through the, the years of the freak score stars who go on to do big things at the nfl level and so uh, if he's going to have the type of season people are looking from from him it, it can't just be putting it all on roethlisberger he's going to have to make some plays it is a little bit of a concern when we head into this next week and there, in addition to just the overall ability at this point that roethlisberger may also be hurt and when you're talking about guys who are maybe at the end of the road who are very borderline starters when you then add an injury i know that uh, Kurt Warner had some situations kind of down the stretch of his career where he could barely throw the ball across the line of scrimmage to start with and then would have an injury and you're trying to figure out as a play caller like how do I scheme for a guy who even a screen pass is a little bit of a challenge for his arm so you know I don't think that we're quite there with Roethlisberger yet he still is willing to throw the ball down the field he can still get some air under some of these passes but uh, he's going to have to be more dynamic if we're going to see players like Claypool and Smith-Schuster really emerge. Column, you had mentioned some of these veterans. Josh Allen, a big story. He's under 40% converted air yards through two weeks. He goes under 40 in both weeks. QBs have been a little bit of a storyline here because there have been a lot of points scored. You've got people like Patrick Mahomes, obviously putting up big numbers. Lamar Jackson comes back with tons of points there in week two. Kyler Murray looks like he'll be a league winner. We have Tom Brady putting up huge passing yard numbers and, you know, may challenge the touchdown record, all of those kinds of things. If you're relying on some of the lesser pieces, then that does put you at a disadvantage. You know we've got some Joe Burrow teams. I'm still very excited about that, but it has been a disadvantage that you can't kind of get away from over the first couple of weeks. It does matter. I mean, your QB scoring is going to be relevant. Uh, Josh Allen drafters have to be very frustrated because they spent a more high value pick on him and he hasn't come through Aaron Rodgers and the Packers bounce back in week two but so much of that really was Aaron Jones right we have Rodgers again in week two with 250 intended air yards only 120 completed he was pushing the ball down the field they did win the game fairly easily. Uh, Devontae Adams in the end puts up Devonte Adams kinds of numbers. But so far in the young season, they have not gotten any of their other guys involved. MVS was generating some buzz in camp. He hasn't done anything. Alan Lazard, someone that we think has the talent to maybe not even be fantasy relevant, but to be reality relevant and that he helps the team out a little bit. He hasn't really done that. They made the move for Randall Cobb. Uh, he hasn't gotten involved in a way that's helped the offense if you're going to struggle a little bit against the lions is this maybe kind of a under the radar second red flag for your team or is it just a thing of you know this is kind of a weird game they won easily no big deal
2: yeah i think it's the second um i mentioned there the deep passes say for mbs for example i think part of that too we have to take into consideration that they rogers turned up pretty much a couple of days before the season so they haven't had as much time together the weather conditions in green bay weren't ideal really this week either in terms of um you know it was raining quite heavily in that second half so i think there was a number of factors in it i think in terms of some of roger's passing for example i think the the deep pass to Devontae adams and the touchdown pass to robert toyon this week are probably two of the best passes that you're going to see all season so i'm very very confident that things are going to like it was kind of the way the game played out and things but they are taking those deep shots and we've seen at times my one concern is two years ago when things weren't really clicking for rogers people thought he was kind of done we were seeing a lot of those passes that were you know at the fingertips of the player on that deep right but i think um, i'll give it another week or two before i have any concerns i was impressed overall by what they were able to do but I think we touched on the work in progress for the Jaguars. I think it's a different work in progress, but I think the Packers' offense is in a a pretty good spot. You mentioned the peripheral players. Um, They really have not been involved at all through those opening two weeks. Week one, because they were really blown out quite easily, and then they struggled to have possession of the ball. Week two, just I'm guessing that Aaron Jones, like you mentioned, a lot of it was Aaron Jones. So we'll see how that goes. I think week three will give us a, a more balanced view. But, you know somebody who i mentioned in the offseason mbs and uh, just it hasn't really there has been nothing really coming from there i guess the usage at tight end for tonyan has been pretty positive but we'll give it another week or two but i'm feeling much better after week two than i was after week one let's just put it that way but we're going to answer some uh, listener questions we're going to do that after the break i think uh, some fun ones coming up here
0: Hey everybody, this is Dave Cabin from the Rotoviz flagship podcast, just stopping by to say thank you for listening to Rotoviz Radio. We're offering our listeners a special 10% discount when they use the promo code RVRadio 2021 at checkout. Again, that's 10% off a one-year subscription when you use the promo code RVRadio 2021. Thanks for listening and keep on tuning in. Just go to Indeed.com slash blue BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: So Sean, basically, uh, well, it's really kind of one listener question and then a couple of things that I got called out on <laughs> in terms of the shows earlier this week. But uh, the question did come in regarding and i'm getting a good few different versions of this but um can geo be safely dropped at this point so um we have the Tampa bay backfield we have fournette we have jones and we have bernard but um bernard obviously the the most cost effective in the offseason but a lot of questions coming in two weeks in to is it the right thing to to drop him how quick are, are you to make those decisions in terms of moving on from uh, a player and then the other part I guess I'll I'll throw to you as is, is Geo a player to move on from at this point. You even mentioned um on the show earlier this week JD mckissick being moved on from in some leagues that you're in. So it can quickly turn into a a <laughs> decision that people regret.
3: It can. I think this one depends a little bit on the you know depth of your league if you're in a 16 roster spot league with two of those spots being used on kicker and defense then you know maybe have to go in a different direction right you have to continue to turn your roster you have to go after the best players you can't be worried about well am i going to regret this later you have to play it week by week and just take the best guys and and go with those guys but like column said, I think that this could be something where you do regret it. We think about all of the value that Brady created for James White. And we consider the fact that, you know, Gio had some really fairly serious injury concerns kind of at the end of camp going into those early practices. And that still seems like something that maybe is holding him down. I think at some point in this season, they're likely to go with even more of an up-tempo kind of blitzkrieg type of scheme where they just go on the attack, pass the ball, don't worry about running, go score a bunch of points and use the guy who probably is their best back if they're not going to really use Ronald Jones. And so I think that this could turn around. At the same time, one of the things you're going to have to deal with a little bit with Tampa Bay is just the week to week. Some of the guys aren't going to score points. We saw that this last week with Antonio Brown. After week one, all of the news was, okay, well, you know, he is suddenly the best wide receiver in this group. He is better than Evans and and Godwin. He's back to being, you know, what he was five years ago. And then basically in week two, you know, a lot of snaps, he's not even on the field. If you think he's the best receiver in this group, then that is disconcerting it doesn't actually mean that you're wrong or that he's not going to have big weeks later i think he probably will have some big weeks later but the way that they're using the different players is still set up for evans and godwin to score the most points if antonio brown is not set up to score then there are going to be weeks where the receiving back is also not set up to score and so i think that part will be tricky if you have good options in your league i would move on if you can afford to keep stashing them i would do that i think that the at some point this season the value is going to be there and as we get especially into the buys and that kind of thing people are going to be pretty desperate for some running back options
2: yeah i would agree with that it's going to be uh it's going to be hard if, uh, if this offense is you know scoring as many points as they are and good game scripts he probably won't be used but the guy that sean we've we've talked about it and in, in emails the guy i need to get going there is is ronald jones but as you mentioned previously uh you know Bruce Aryan seems to just want to keep him in that, in that doghouse. We'll see what happens there. He may be on that question list in a couple of weeks if things don't start to turn around. The other thing, Sean, that I mentioned um, on the show on Tuesday was that in terms of it was one of the most fun weeks of uh, NFL, but also some of the most uh, L's came my way as well. But Jesse uh, Cohen did send an email to say he related so hard to the intro. He said, or as I told the buddy in the morning, if the goal of fantasy is to score more points than the other team, I went two and five this week in all my important leagues. But if the goal is to have 20-plus Rondell more points on the bench, I went 7-0, oh, oh baby. So I'm sure there's a lot of people listening to the show maybe may be feeling the same way. But I, I started Rondell in a, a quite a few leagues. It didn't help me out in the end up. But uh, just for interest, Sean, did you have Rondell active in, in many games this past week?
3: Not in many, not in the majority, but in some. And so it was fun to have in there. The bench points, you know, that can be frustrating as the week goes along. It's super frustrating if you're talking about the fantasy semifinals or finals. Early in the season, bench points are are so important, right? Because we're looking at these teams and you're like, some guys are going to get hurt. Some of the guys who are in my lineup that maybe didn't perform that well, we're going to have the buys. You want those guys on your bench to be scoring and scoring and scoring. Even if you lose that week, I mean, it can be hard emotionally. Like, why didn't I start? But in some cases, the people weren't even really under consideration. We had some leagues where we considered Barkley versus Devin Singletary. And, uh, you know, if you were close, then it can be tricky and it can be frustrating but man those bench, bench points that's where you end up going off and dominating your league over the second half of the season so we root for the bench points as well hopefully you can sneak out some wins along the way
2: yeah and the bench points so you you had on a great point there and uh, you kind of glanced on it um i think it was earlier in the show and when it gets to the bye weeks, like those bench points that you have now, they're gonna be players who like a Rondell Moore who's on a breakout and are gonna be the players that we're putting in there. You know, we talk about one in the flex, for example. He's gonna be somebody who can go into that lineup, whereas other teams are gonna have players who just aren't going to be able to, to capable, or aren't going to be capable of putting up those same points. So uh, it might feel like we're we're one and one or we're zero oh and two, but there's a long long way here where we can we can fight back in the season, get those Ws, and and have success as the season goes along. Another one I thought was very well spotted. It came in from uh, Daniel, and uh, he said that he he loved the latest podcast. Um, he was wondering if we had discovered a new breakout candidate. So it might be a a new Rojo as well when we get to the end of this story. I don't know if any other people had picked up on it, but he said he just wanted to say he's pumped about the emergence of this, and he has in quotation marks, Ronald Jones, uh, or sorry, Rondell Jones. I don't recall him being drafted, so here's to him being this year's James Robinson. So uh, he was referring to the show notes from the podcast posted on Tuesday, where the show notes said, Sean, and column recap some of the week two breakouts, and then it mentioned players discussed include Aaron Jones and Rondell Jones. So maybe Rojo part two, maybe this one <laughs> works out, but it was a good spot. I did, I did have it, I updated it after, but uh, Rondell Jones, Sean, uh, one to watch?
3: If he's in the show notes, he's definitely somebody to watch. <laughs>
2: uh so we'll see what uh, what happens there but uh it was a lot of fun with Rondell this past week but sean that's going to get us to the end of today's show we are of course uh three shows a week at the moment here so hopefully you're enjoying them if you haven't dropped this written interview already please do so it does help us out a huge amount let us uh, you know share the shows on social media anyway we can continue to to grow um, the community here for Rotoviz OT. And of course, Sean as well has a fantastic Stealing Bananas podcast along with Ben Gretz. They have three shows this week as well. If you haven't checked them out already, should be up on the Stealing Bananas podcast feed. Make sure you subscribe to both that feed and this one. You'll get all of Sean's content in the podcast form throughout the week. Lots of stuff to keep you going there. If you haven't signed up yet to a Rotoviz NFL pass, you can do so at com forward slash podcast to find extra information on it. Or you can just go to the RotoViz site, add the subscription to your cart, and add RV Radio 2021 at checkout to save yourself 10% off a subscription and get you access to all of the tools and content on the site. Of course, at the start of today's show, we did talk through some of the advanced stats that is all available up there as well as part of the subscription. So sign up today, get yourself set up for the rest of the season, go win those fantasy championships. And that is really going to take us to the end of today's show. We are looking for those questions for the bonus show that's coming up for myself and Sean after episode 300. The other thing we are looking for is those players you think should be in the introduction to the show. Of course, now I'm sure Rondell Jones is going to be top off that list for everyone as we head into week three for his big breakout. But uh, send send them uh, send them through to me at Overtime Ireland or send it to rotavisradio at gmail.com my name is colin kelly as you mentioned there you can follow me on twitter at over to Marland, and the co-host is of course sean siegel check out all of sean's work up at rotavis.com and of course as well the stealing bananas podcast until we're back next week enjoy week three of the nfl season good luck in all your games and until then have a good one